You're listening to WCAT Radio, your home for authentic Catholic programming. Thank you and welcome to Treasures in Heaven. From all of us at WCAT Radio, we're glad you're with us. I am your host, Dr. William Ailes. In this show, the Apostles' Commission, our commission. Christ told his apostles, he who hears you, hears me. And he who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. As ambassadors for Christ, we have the amazing privilege to live and speak the truth, knowing it is his truth, and it is him who is embraced or rejected, not us. In the Gospels, Christ gave his apostles a commission. Additionally, in his letters, Paul gave us a commission, identifying the fact that we are ambassadors for Christ. We understand the reality of an ambassador. An ambassador in this world represents the head of state, like an ambassador to Canada represents the head of state, like the President of the United States, and the ambassador speaks on behalf of the head of state. In our case, our head of state is the head of the body of Christ, the Son of God. We speak on his behalf. Every day we do have the amazing privilege to live and speak on behalf of the Son of God. And we know if our lives or words are rejected, it's God they're rejecting. It's nothing personal. What exactly did our Lord say when he gave the commission to his apostles? And secondly, what exactly did our Lord say when he gave the commission to his apostles in his resurrected body? We're going to examine the difference between the two from Luke chapter 10, the commission, and then Mark 16. We're going to look at the similarities. We're going to look at the amazing difference and how that relates to us. We're going to begin with the Apostle Paul, though. In his second letter to the Corinthians, there's an amazing section of Scripture. Chapter 5, verses 17 through 21, identifying who we are in Christ. Firstly, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's number one. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So when we have Christ in us, we are a brand new creation. In other words, God creates in us. He fills us with something that was not there before, Holy Spirit. We are a new creation in Christ, the old, the flesh and blood, the flesh and blood nature that we were basically for lack of a better word, a slave to, we are no longer a slave to. We have a much different reality, a higher calling. So Paul says, behold, the new has come. We are brand new from the inside out, baptized in the Holy Spirit, born of God, this eternal spiritual seed that we have within that's verse 17. So number one, we are a new creation. Verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. That's second. To be reconciled is to bring back together that which was once separated. So through Christ, we are brought back together together with God, 
That's second. Once separated, now back together. Third, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So first, we are reconciled to God through Christ, and then God handed us a ministry. You know, the, the commission that Christ gave the apostles, basically that was their ministry, which we'll look at in a moment. We, everyone in the body of Christ, has a ministry, regardless. We all have the ability to reconcile by speaking the truth. It continues. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Look at the intent of our Father God. As Christ himself said, God did not send Christ into the world to condemn the world, but rather to save it, not counting our trespasses against us, but rather to reconcile us to God. That is the intent of God currently. That was the intent of God when he initially sent his son. Nothing has changed over the 2,000 years. not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So we have a ministry of reconciliation, and we have the message of reconciliation. Of course, the message of reconciliation is the gospel of the good news, that by believing on the name of Jesus Christ, we can pass from death to life, be filled with the Holy Spirit, an eternal Holy Spirit, Verse 20, so we are ambassadors for Christ. First, we are a new creation. Old has passed away, the new has come. Second, we're reconciled to God through Christ. Third, we're given a ministry of reconciliation. Fourth, we're given the message of reconciliation. Five, thus... We are ambassadors for Christ. We on planet Earth are pilgrims, spiritual pilgrims, who speak on behalf of our head of state, the head of the body of Christ, Jesus Christ. God making his appeal through us. When you think about that, the almighty God makes his appeal to planet Earth through us who are in the body of Christ. That is a high calling. We can never lose sight of what Paul told us about how God makes his appeal to his creation through us who believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the living word of the living God in the flesh. Then Paul states, we beseech you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now listen to verse 21. For our sake, he, God, made him Christ to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Fifth, we become the righteousness of God. How? Christ himself was and is righteous. Christ is in us when we're born of the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. The righteousness of Christ becomes part of our being. So we are a brand new creation. Thank God the old flesh and blood nature has been replaced by the divine nature within. This is all from God, who through Christ reconciled us and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And of course, he gave us the way to carry it out, 
the message of reconciliation. Thus we are ambassadors for Christ. And we are aware every day that God is making his appeal to those here on earth through us. And Paul concludes that we would become the righteousness of God because God made Jesus Christ sin, who knew no sin. He made him sin. Our sin was transferred to the cross because Christ died in our place. The wages of sin is death. Thus we are all deserving of death. But God made a way for us to escape this fate. If we believe on the perfect sacrifice for sin, Jesus Christ, we accept the sacrifice for sin that God has sent to planet Earth, God embraces our acceptance of that sacrifice. Thus, Christ dies in our place, and the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God, is transferred to us. It's a legal exchange. Just like in the Old Testament when the Passover lamb was slain. The blood of the lamb was designed to cover sins, just like when God directed Moses to slay the lamb prior to their exit of Egypt. The blood of the lamb was put on the doorposts of the homes. So when the angel of death came to strike down the firstborn in Egypt, the angel of death would pass over the homes that had the blood of the lamb, sparing them from death. But in our case, we don't just have a lamb. We have the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that's how it happens. He is the perfect sacrifice for sin. We embrace the perfect sacrifice for sin by believing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God accepts our embracing of Christ and thus Christ dies in our place. Our sins are transferred to the cross and died with Christ. Went to the grave. We were resurrected with Christ in newness of life and we shall ascend eventually one day as Christ did to heaven. We follow him all the way from the cross to heaven. That's how God set it up. That's our creator. So now we have this ministry of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation, the righteousness of God within. We are a brand new creation. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And as Paul states, to, to, to just really paint this picture of ambassadors for Christ who have a mission, we're on a mission for God. Paul states in Philippians chapter 4, he speaks of us and our citizenship, how our citizenship is in heaven. In Philippians chapter 3, Verse 20, our commonwealth or citizenship is in heaven. Just stop right there. Let's embrace what the Apostle Paul revealed to us. In this life, in this world, we already are citizens of heaven. Spiritually speaking, we're citizens of heaven. Yes, we could be a citizen of the United States, on this planet, but from God's point of view, the eternal point of view, we are already citizens of heaven. So then you can see this picture. We are ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like, that's our true citizenship, and here we are, citizens of heaven, on planet Earth, ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Just like an ambassador from the United States could go to Canada and speak on behalf of the head of state, speak on behalf of the president, the ambassador would leave the United States 
course, go to Canada and be stationed there to speak on behalf of the head of state. We are spiritually citizens in heaven. Physically, of course, we're on planet Earth. We speak on behalf of our head of state, the head of the body of Christ, Jesus Christ. We have a message of reconciliation, a ministry of reconciliation. We are on a mission. So with that in mind, you turn back the pages to when Christ first gave this commission to his apostles. Of course, this is before the time of the crucifixion. And then after we read Luke 10, we're going to move forward in time to following the resurrection on the day of the ascension when he once again gave the commission to the apostles, which speaks volumes to us 2,000 years later. Whenever we read scripture, we learn more about our true identity, who we really are. You know, I, I used to ask myself that question a long time ago when I was in college. Who am I? You know, what's my purpose? Why am I here? What's it all about, really? And there was a song at the time back in 1979 by a group called Supertramp, and it was called The Logical Song, and this song played in my head. And the singer repeats a very haunting line. Please tell me who I am. And I remember that song as if it just came out yesterday. All the lines. At night when all the world's asleep, the questions run so deep for such a simple man. Please tell me who I am. When we read scriptures, we learn about who we are. Our true reality, our true spiritual reality in Jesus Christ. And we have no need to compare ourselves to anyone in the world. We have no need to compare ourselves to anyone in the body of Christ. We are complete in Christ. The DNA God gave us, along with the Christ in us, we are complete. We have our own unique path, our own unique commission, our own unique ability to reach out, to live the truth. Like no one else can. That's how we see ourselves. All right, so we turn now to Luke chapter 10. He's going to be appointing his disciples, giving a commission to his disciples. After this, verse 1, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to come. So here we have those who are going to herald the message, the kingdom of God, announcing the fact that the Son of God, well, they wouldn't say the Son of God, but that Jesus Christ will be coming into town. And he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We pray the same thing today, 20 centuries later, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. We pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Verse 3, go your way, behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and salute no one on the road. In other words, they're on a mission and they're going to travel light to get the job done. Now, verse 5, whatever house you enter, 
First say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace shall rest upon him. But if not, it shall return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town, they receive you, eat what is set before you. Now, the depth of the mission is revealed. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. So these disciples were empowered by Christ himself to heal the sick. And upon healing the sick, they would say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. In other words, it's the kingdom of God that's brought about this result. Obviously, they would be the talk of the town. The kingdom of God has come near you. This is a message that we speak forth. The kingdom of God is here through Christ. Verse 10. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this. The kingdom of God has come near. So to those who rejected the truth, nevertheless, let them know the truth. Verse 12, I tell you, it shall be more tolerable on the day, on that day, meaning judgment for Sodom, than for that town. So Sodom and Gomorrah, of course, were judged by God, is holy and righteous, and he brought those cities to an end. So it's a pretty dramatic statement that if these people reject your words, it'll be more tolerable for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah than those who rejected the light and the truth and the love of the Son of God and those that he sent forth. Verse 16, he who hears you hears me. And he who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. And there we go. We don't take anything personal. We're speaking on behalf of our head of the body, Jesus Christ. If they hear us, they're hearing him. If they don't hear us and reject us, they're rejecting him, who is the source of all love, all divine light, all truth. And if they're rejecting Christ, they're rejecting the one who sent him, the Father. So if we're rejected, the rejection really goes all the way to the top. So we know that they were sent out to heal the sick and to proclaim the kingdom of God. Now look at this. Verse 17. It's the return of the 70. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So Christ had not only empowered them to heal the sick, but he empowered them. He gave them authority over evil spirits, demons. And Christ said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Or Satan is the chief demon, and now Satan is dealing with Christ's disciples having power over his little minions. And Satan, of course, fell like lightning from heaven. That was his response to Christ in the disciples. Verse 4. Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Christ is not talking about literal snakes. He's talking about the power of the enemy. We just got through reading that Christ spoke about demons, spoke about Satan, 
all the power of the enemy. That's the enemy, not snakes. Of course, the enemy is spiritual, but the enemy works through people, like the temple authorities, the Pharisees and Sadducees, who had as their father the devil because they loved money more than God. Christ gave them authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions. We're going to see this again when we get to Matthew, excuse me, Mark 16. So, number three, power over the demons. Four, authority over all the power of the enemy. Five, nothing shall hurt you. In other words, if Christ has given them a mission, they will complete their mission, and nothing shall stop them from completing their mission. Nothing's going to hurt them. Now look at this. Nevertheless, even after everything Christ said, which is pretty dramatic, he says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. Now, I would think that would be cause for rejoicing. Heal the sick. The demons are subject to you. Uh, you have the authority to tread upon all the power of the enemy. Nothing's going to hurt you. I would be rejoicing over that. But look what Christ said. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's the bigger picture. The bigger picture is your ultimate destiny. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, I want to just take a little pause. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Let's, let's just embrace this. Let's just immerse ourselves in this understanding of our names being written in heaven. Recall, we are currently citizens of heaven. And... God's not going to forget that because our names are written in heaven. Look at Revelation chapter 21. Talking about the new heaven and new earth. And I, John, saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God is its light and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light shall the nations walk, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it, and its gates shall never be shut by day, and there shall be no night there. They shall not, or they shall bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean shall enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. We follow the Lamb of God. We are written in the Lamb's book of life. We are citizens of heaven. We are written in the Lamb's book of life. That is our cause of rejoicing. That is what we are all about. Christ saved us to give us this ministry of reconciliation, to give us the message of reconciliation. And as we'll see in Mark 16, there's more to the story. But the, the, the exclamation mark, the highlight, is that we are written in heaven, citizens of heaven in the Lamb's book of life. And ultimately, we will enter the city, the city of God, the new Jerusalem, because we are written in the Lamb's book of life. So, back to Luke 10, verse 20, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. When we go about our day, when we wake up in the morning, we go to bed at night, and everything in between, central in our thoughts are we are 
citizens of heaven. We are written in heaven. We are ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. We are a brand new creation in Christ. And we have been given the ministry of reconciliation and the message of reconciliation. So, Luke 10.20 now. Verse 23. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. There's a lot of time that elapsed between Adam and Christ. A lot of kings and prophets that went before Christ. And Christ is telling his 70 disciples, you are blessed. Your eyes are blessed for what you see. Many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Because the time was not yet. Look how blessed we are. We're not living 2,000 years before the time of Christ. We're living 2,000 years after the time of Christ. We get to see and hear. We read this record. We understand who we are in Christ. Now, we fast forward to Christ in his resurrected body. We just read Luke chapter 10, the Great Commission, which speaks volumes to us as ambassadors for Christ. But there's more to the story. Mark 16. And verse 14. Afterward, he, Christ, appeared to the eleven. Of course, Judas had already done himself in, so now there's eleven apostles. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they sat at table. And he upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they were struggling in their belief at the time because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. Even though Christ had told the apostles that he shall be raised on the third day, they didn't get it, they didn't understand it, didn't believe it. And he upbraided them for their hardness of heart and their unbelief. Two things that we don't want to have, hardness of heart and unbelief. The truth has been handed to us on this golden spiritual platter, the New Testament. The worst way to respond is hardness of heart and unbelief. <laughs> that is what not to do. Verse 15, And he said to them, here we go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. Remember how he told the disciples to tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you? The gospel we preach, of course, is the gospel of the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. It is truly entering an eternal spiritual kingdom on this planet. So, number one, Preach the gospel to the whole creation. That's front and center to our commission, to our ministry of reconciliation. That's the message of reconciliation. Verse 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Made whole through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But he who does not believe will be condemned. So, just like Christ had said in the commission of the 70, 
it'll be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for those who hear the truth and with hardness of heart and unbelief reject it. If they actually receive the truth, or I should say hear the truth and don't receive it, condemnation follows. They will be without excuse. That's the reality. That's the justice of God. Well, we are among those who believe and who are baptized and who are saved. Preaching the gospel, living the gospel. You know, people read our lives, so preaching the gospel includes living the gospel. Oh, so we know that preaching the gospel, telling them the kingdom of God has come near, that's the parallel message. Of course, now we have a greater understanding of that message, all the more reason to get the word out for people to believe. Verse 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe. Number one, in my name they will cast out demons. This is parallel to what Christ told the disciples and what the disciples told Christ. Recall, the disciples said, even the demons are subject unto us through thy name. Number two, they will speak in new tongues. Whoa, this is something that was not in the Gospels. We're going to explain that in a minute. Number three, the text says they will pick up, or also translated, take up serpents. And as we discussed earlier, serpents has nothing to do with literal snakes. It's parallel to the commission of the 70. Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions. So to take up serpents, just like taking up a challenge. You're not literally picking up a challenge off the floor. You're, you're taking it up. You're, you're taking it on. You, Christ is giving us the authority to take up, to take on, to tread upon all the power of the enemy. He's just reiterating the same analogy. Serpents represent the power of the enemy. He even referred to the temple authorities as serpents and a brood of vipers. Human beings, of course, acting out the will of Satan because they have another God besides the one true God. And of course, in their case, it was the love of money. So this is parallel to Luke 10. So you go back to Mark 16. They will pick up or take up serpents, tread upon the power of the enemy. That's three. Verse, or number four here. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. Recall Christ said that in his commission in Luke. He said, and nothing shall hurt you. Same thing. Nothing's going to block us from achieving whatever the will of Christ is for us. Finally, they will lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. And that, of course, was the first thing he told them in Luke 10, heal the sick in it. So the commission is the same, the message of reconciliation. Of course, there it was, tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Of course, in our case, the similar message is preach the gospel to the whole salvation. Central to that is the kingdom of God has come unto us through Christ. So the commission given to the whole world who follow Christ in Mark 16 is basically identical to the commission given in Luke 10 with one difference. They will speak in new tongues. Why does Christ speak of this here in his resurrected body but made no mention of it anywhere in the Gospels prior to the crucifixion? And there's a very simple answer for that. That 
before the crucifixion, Christ could not reveal the mystery of God. After the resurrection, he was free to do so, and especially, of course, after his ascension to the right hand of God. Recall what Paul had told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the hidden wisdom of God. But had the rulers of the darkness of this world known the mystery of God, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The mystery of God had to be kept a mystery until after the crucifixion. Then all that revelation that Christ gave to Peter, to Paul, to John, unfolding the mystery of God, includes 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14 about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul quotes Isaiah, with stammering lips and other tongues, I will speak to this people. It was already prophesied by Isaiah, but Paul quoted Isaiah at the direction of Jesus Christ to reveal the mystery of speaking in tongues, our reality in the body of Christ. That's why it's in Mark 16 and it's not in Luke 10. And of course, in the charismatic Catholic understanding, those who have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit have the ability to speak forth this sign that Christ himself prophesied speaking in new tongues. And speaking in new tongues is nothing more than the language of the Spirit within, spoken by us. We are a brand new creation in Christ. It's that brand new creation within that has its own language. It's already in us when we are baptized. Signs accompany those who believe. Now, Christ isn't saying everybody is going to manifest all these signs, but he's saying signs will accompany those who believe. This is part of what our Lord and Savior left us to turn to Supernatural signs. Every one of these is supernatural signs. And I do know what it means to cast out demons. There are times when that is necessary. At the direction of our Lord and Savior, it happens. We truly do have a high calling. We truly do have a ministry of reconciliation. And we truly do have signs that accompany those who believe. Supernatural signs. Thank God for that. In verse 19, So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by the signs that attended it. Amen. It's the same Lord and Savior from the first century as we now have in the 21st century. There is no disconnect in the will of Christ from the first century to the 20th century. He is the same yesterday, today, forever. The word of God to us from the first century is just as real as it is in the 21st century. Hebrews says the word of God is living energy. It's alive. It enlivens us, our minds, our hearts, our souls and empowers us. So yes, the Lord works with us in the 21st century, just as he did in the first century, confirming the message of faith 
the gospel of the good news by the signs that attended it. Like in the Catholic Charismatic Renewal, around the globe, 120 million Catholics speak forth the sign of tongues. Signs follow those who believe. Christ has opened up this special blessing. It began in the 20th century in 1967 and continues to this day. But really, it's the reality that the apostles and disciples knew in the first century. Is ours now. We cannot take this for granted. No. As ambassadors on a mission, we have read the components of our mission, we have read the signs of our mission, we understand we are citizens of heaven, we are ambassadors for Christ, we have this identity of who we truly are. What is central to everything we think, we say, we do, we pray. Matthew 22, verse 34. When the Pharisees heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they came together, and one of them, a lawyer, meaning a doctor of the law, asked him a question to test him. You know, no humility. He's just looking to test Jesus or catch him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend or hang all the law and the prophets. Central to everything we think, we say, we do, we pray. Central to our ministry of reconciliation. Central to being an ambassador for Jesus Christ central to manifesting supernatural signs of the Lord Jesus Christ is this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is how everything we do in our ministry of reconciliation is framed. Everything is framed around that. And we think about that in light of Luke 10. We're going to pick up Luke 10. We left off with the commission. In verse 25, and behold, a lawyer stood up, another lawyer, of course, give it to the lawyers, there we go, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test again, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered right. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In other words, he's trying to justify himself, saying, I already did all this stuff. 
Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest, meaning a temple priest, was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. There is the heart of the matter behind what we do. The compassion and the mercy are central to loving our neighbor as yourself. And of course, what drives it is loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know, we are designed to recognize the truth. We are designed to live the truth. And in fact, we are most fulfilled when we know and live the truth. It's no fun to living a, a sinful life. We think it is in the short term, perhaps, of course. Uh, but you end up, you know, stepping in potholes, walking in darkness, banging your head against walls, and eventually you say, this isn't working. What works is to walk in the light. You know, the analogy is simple. Go out, go out for a walk in the dark. Go out for a walk in the daylight. Which is safer? Which is better? Walking in the daylight, of course. The deeper reality is the spiritual light of Jesus Christ. In contrast to the spiritual darkness that permeates the planet, courtesy of Satan and his minions. You know, the false reality is that you can have a better time walking in darkness, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Of course, that's the lie. We can still eat, drink, and be merry and have eternal life. I mean, to me, that's a better deal. So, we come full circle. As a new creation in Christ, we have the ministry of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation. We are citizens of heaven and ambassadors for Christ. And God is making his appeal through us to planet Earth. And that we become the righteousness of God because we accept the perfect sacrifice for sin. We've also looked at the heart of the matter, loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I want to conclude with Deuteronomy 6, where all this began with Moses. And look at what God said to Moses. And the parallels we just bring to our life. Deuteronomy 6, verse 1. Now, this is the commandment, statutes, and the ordinances which the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. This is Moses, of course, talking to the people. That you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it that you may fear or reverence the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you 
all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. There's a promise from God. Hear, therefore, O Israel, or hear, therefore, O Church of God, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, with all your might. And these words, which I command you this day, shall be upon your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. 24-7. That's our reality. These are the words God wants impressed upon our heart, the very core of who we are as his people, as the body of Christ. When we rise, go out the day, come home, turn in, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. If God has commanded us to do it, it has to be possible. As ambassadors for Christ, we do have this amazing privilege to live and speak the truth, to carry out our ministry of reconciliation with the message of reconciliation, knowing it is his truth, and it is him who is embraced or rejected, not us. We as ambassadors represent the head of the body of Christ, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We live and speak on his behalf. God has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. As Paul says in verse 20 of 2 Corinthians 5, so we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. When we think about that, God making his appeal through us. That's how we see ourselves. That's how we are to God. Every one of us, uniquely placed in the body of Christ, to accomplish what only we as individuals can accomplish. I thank God for this understanding. I thank God for this time that we live in. I thank God that I have this freedom to read the Bible, to teach it, to live it, that I live in a country where I can do this because I have the right granted to me by my government. We can never lose sight of what we've been given here in the 21st century. Well, that's it from this Treasures in Heaven show. From all of us at WCAT Radio, God bless you, and good night. Hello, God's beloved. I'm Annabelle Mosley, author, professor of theology, and host of Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. I invite you to listen in 
and find inspiration along this sacred journey we're traveling together to make our lives a masterpiece and, with God's grace, become saints. Join me, Annabelle Mosley, for Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. God bless you. Remember, you're never alone. God is always with you. Thank you for listening to a production of WCAT Radio. Please join us in our mission of evangelization. And don't forget, love lifts up where knowledge takes flight.